Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Thanks for tuning back into another episode here on GEMS Podcast. With me in the hot seat is Patrick Rogers. And here's a bit about Patrick. He is a serial entrepreneur and investor turned mentor. He has personally coached hundreds of CEOs and organizations and their employees as a sought-after industry expert, business mentor, and certified exit planning advisor. Through his exitable business methodology, he helps CEOs transform their companies into highly profitable entities that are strategically positioned for a successful and profitable exit. And we're going to spend some time learning how you can scale your company quickly and sell it for three to five times what it's currently might sell for. So without further ado, please welcome Patrick Rogers to the podcast. Oh, thanks, Genesis. It's uh, it's great to be here. And uh, yeah, I look forward to chatting with you and, and digging deep. My pleasure. So before we um, dive into your niche area, Patrick, we're definitely going to get to know you a little bit better so the audience knows what else does Patrick do outside of that? So there's two options I like to do here. One is a rapid fire game, which is 10 questions. Very quick on your toes to get the... Cool. All right. You know, or we could break the ice up front. So what are you in the mood for? Oh, geez. Rapid fire sounds a lot of fun. I've never done anything like that. So let's do that. <laughs> I don't know okay. what I'm going to come up with, but all right, let's do that. Number one, dream car. Uh, I already have it. Jeep Wrangler. Number two, if you could go anywhere in the world, money was no option. And here's the kicker. You just found out that they're not flying back to your home base. Where are you headed? Oh, wow. Uh uh what's it uh fiji okay number three if you could trade places with anyone who would you trade places with elon musk Ooh, nice four if you could be a fly on the wall and eavesdrop on any conversation past or present what are, whose conversation are you listening in wow that's insane um mm, conversation something to do with lincoln in preparation for the emancipation proclamation, which I think is the right guy, but anyways. Five. This is an easy one. Apple or Android? Apple. No question. Six. Coffee or tea or neither? Coffee. Seven. If you you just hit the lottery, what charities are you donating to? Hmm. Um any charity which specifically helps people uh, learn how to fish instead of just giving them fish. Oh, okay. Awesome. Eight. If you can go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be? Do the thing that I fear the most. Eight. Well, no, sorry. Nine. What is the craziest thing that you've ever done in your life? Oh, you really want this answer? Um, uh, when I was 14, I hopped on a train with my friends in Green Bay when I lived there, and we rode it all the way to Chicago, and then hopped on a different train and rode all the way back. Oh, okay. 
and 10. This is our pass or play question. So if you play, I ask one last question. If you pass, our roles get reversed and you get to ask me a question. So do you want to pass or play? Uh, play. Okie dokie. Last question. If you could recreate any significant moment in your life, what would it be and why? Recreate any significant moment in my life. Um, I think it would be flying. Uh, when I was a midshipman in the Navy, I was able to fly some planes. And uh, when I was going through that, that was just like an experience thing. And so I enjoyed that very much. Amazing. And thank you for your service and playing rapid fire with Genesis. So let's <laughs> dive into what you're doing now, which is helping CEOs and entrepreneurs really scale up their business. So we talked a little bit before the show, which is going from working in in your business to working on your business so you can make sure your business is sellable. So what are some of the pros and cons about working not just in your business, but on your business? Well, it's it's so easy for us as you know CEOs or business owners to get stuck in the day-to-day because that's what we know, right? When you start a business, you start being the the person guy or gal that does everything you're doing the operations you're doing fulfillment with the client you're doing the sales you're doing the marketing and you get really good at certain aspects of it and um as we grow uh people around us come to us for questions all the time and it makes us feel good to answer questions and help them but it's also uh what we're doing is we're becoming the biggest you know crutch in the growth by that and so the more we can focus on creating a business, like, you know, you kind of said before, where now the company is your product. And that's one of the biggest paradigm shift is when you can get a business owner to work on the business and, and realize that the company is the new product. They now have an entity that can run without them. And they could literally be running it from the Bahamas if they wanted to. Absolutely. So just really getting your business to run like a well-oiled machine without you being there doing the grunt work and the mundane. So, okay, like whenever someone is thinking about this and they're like, well, Patrick, I'm kind of struggling because they don't know the business like I know the business and they're having, you know, that remorse where they just don't want to let things go per se, but then letting things go is actually the best thing for them. So they can focus on their creativity and their zone of genius. What are some of the ways that you help those individuals shift their paradigm? That's a great question. Well, the the best ways that I've found to help people shift their paradigm is to get them reading books. Um, And and it's a self-discovery process, really what it is. Because I can tell somebody something but until they go and discover it for themselves and um, really kind of come to their own conclusions on it, you know, it, it's it's not really, you know, it, the other mantra that I believe in is that people support what they help create. And so a lot of times with my CEOs will assign them certain books and they go and they read about it and they, they really dive into the stories and the other people that have, that have written on it. And, and once they do that, the, the other part of it is they have to realize that people have to go and fail on their own, that people have to go in order for them to think and act and feel like an owner and to run the business uh, as they should, your employees, they have to go fail. They have to be allowed to make failures. 
And then once they start doing that, then they start, uh, you know, start owning the process themselves. Absolutely. So letting them know that it is okay to fail because learning from your failures and your mistakes is definitely a conduit to your success. And then also educating yourself on various subject matters so you could be well-rounded and versatile. Yeah. So Patrick, what are some of the failures and challenges that you've had personally and how has it helped you in the professional space? Oh my gosh. Uh, where do I begin? Um, <laughs> I have, you know, I, I kind of tell, but yeah, I laugh about it, but I have probably failed at more things in my life, businesses, relationships, everything, uh, than probably anyone that I know. Uh, I, I'm sure that's not true, but, but as far as that, I've really talked to or, or taken a deep dive on, I have failed at so many businesses. Um, again, relationships. And, um, you know, what I found it really comes back to is, is your commitment, commitment to what you really want and persistence. And, and what I found is all those failures, I used to look at them as failures and I don't look at them as failures anymore. I look at them as opportunities for improvement and growth. And, uh, that's probably the biggest thing I will say is when we go back and look at our personal, you know, what we would quote unquote call failures, when you can reclassify them as opportunities for growth or growth opportunities, that's when you start, you're in a growth mindset and that's when you're on your way to greatness. Mm, that's a great answer because during that period of going back and looking at the failures, it's that reflection point. And as you are reflecting, then you take those failures as the lessons learned and you take them as a way to swing the pendulum to say, okay, this is what I learned and this is what I'm going to build upon it. And that growth comes personally, but it also comes professionally. And some other people see it as mental growth, spiritual growth, physical growth, and emotional growth. And they um, pair it all together to really have that holistic approach. So they're chipping away at all areas because in order yep. to be successful in business, you need to have compassion you need to have empathy you need to have determination drive tenacity and you need to be open to having feedback because you shouldn't be the smartest person in your business and you should you definitely need to know when you need to partner with other people who are operating in another zone of genius that you may not have so your business cannot just you know survive but your business can truly thrive no, you're exactly right. And, and, you know, one of the biggest quote unquote failures that, that I had was when I owned my own uh, business, I used to own real estate property management and brokerage. And when it came time to sell, I thought it was worth, I think I was uh, at that point, I was doing like 1.5 million. And when it came time to sell, I thought I was going to be able to get like 1.2, 1.3 for it. And I needed to sell. But when I tried to sell it, I found out real quick that it was worth much, much less. I wasn't going to get a dime over like 450 for it. Wow. And, but it was a, a huge growth opportunity. I mean, that's just what businesses of that size will go for. And so when that spurred kind of me on the journey that I'm on now was at the time it was devastating because I was ready to exit, wanted to exit, but my pride didn't allow me to sell it for that low and nor it should have. And so that's when I dug in, I read every business book underneath the sun and created that this, this exitable business strategy now that I help other business owners. Within three years, I had turned it from something I was working 70 hours a week in. Uh, I tripled 
tripled the value of the company and uh, doubled my take home. And I was working now instead of 70 hours a week, less than, you know, 15 hours a week. Um, so out of, out of uh, failures, quote unquote, can come greatness. And that is a big um, reduction in hours because now that you saved all of that time, whenever you were in that business, you could reallocate the time that you saved to spend time doing other things to really just diversify your wealth or diversify time that you're spending with your family and the ones that you love. So Patrick, some of the listeners may or viewers may be wondering, okay, so what is this exit strategy? Can you give it to us at high level? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the first things when we start working with with folks is um, how you value determine the value of a business, it's equal to your net profits, uh, whatever your take home is total take home between salary and everything times some kind of a multiple. And when most people think about increasing the value of their company, and all depends on how much time we have, but most people think about when they think about increasing the value of the company, they say, well, I'll just get more sales right? But they're forgetting about the other side of the equation. It's times some kind of a multiple. And that multiple is the easiest way to increase the value of your company quickly. So one of the first things we do with clients, if we have less than a year, is we focus on that multiple. And that multiple is all about removing risk. So when someone's looking to buy your company, how do we remove the risk of this being a risky investment? And one of the biggest things is exactly what you talked about is removing the owner from the day-to-day operations. And there's, there's eight more key um, elements, the drivers that, that, that create that multiple, but that, that's one of them. And one of the biggest is how involved is the owner in the operations of the business? Mm, so, yes. Yeah. I'm over here nodding because people forget about that risk mitigation, but they also uh, forget about the ROI. Like what is your return on investment? You're investing this, um, whether it's technology, whether it's yourself and et cetera, but then is what you're investing in paying you back? And how is it paying you back? And how long does it take to recuperate the amount that you have invested in your business? And then whenever you begin to transition from working in your business to working on your business, what does that look like? Because your policies and procedures may change. And even sometimes your core values may change, your core values and mission statements, because then you're looking at a bigger picture versus just looking at a solo picture. Would you agree with that? Oh, oh, absolutely. And, and to kind of talk about how do you transition from working into on your business? Um, w- one of the first things that we do, we, we remove those risks, but we put in, we work with our clients and we put in what I will call it's basically an operating system. You need an operating system that runs the business without you being there. And I'll akin it to the, like, if you're riding a bike, right? If, if you kind of look at our business as a bike, the front wheel and the handlebars, that's your sales and marketing that determines where you're going, what size clients, type of clients, all that kind of stuff. And then the back end, which is your back wheel, your gearing and all that, that's the operations of the company. That's your team, that's your processes, your procedures. And if you're the owner who is involved in, you know, the, the fulfillment of uh, the, the fulfillment engine of the operations, you can't grow because or you can only grow so far. So you have to completely remove yourself by installing an operating system. And we do that with all of our clients. That's one of the first things is we get the owner out of the day-to-day operations, first step. And then with that first step, um, when you get the owner out of the day-to-day operations, do y'all look at 
doing a SWOT analysis just to show that owner, okay, whenever we remove you, this is what your strengths are, your weaknesses, the opportunities, and the threats. And then this is what we're going to introduce once you are removed from the equation, or what does that look like just in layman terms? I think SWOT analysis are great, uh, but when it comes to removing the owner from the back end of, of the equation, even if his strengths, his or her strengths is something to do with the back end of that equation, they still need to be completely removed from it, right? Because once you get a business up to a certain size, they cannot be involved in any day-to-day. You know, if, you, if you're a business owner and you own a $5 million company and you're still doing some of the sales, even if that's your strength, if you want to take your company to 10 million or 20 million, you, it, you shouldn't be the one doing it. Now that's personal SWAT. Now, from the standpoint of the company's uh, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, absolutely. We have to really understand uh, from a strategic standpoint, if we're going to scale this company, what is the complete, you know, the layout of the land on how we're going to get there. And the SWAT's a, a very key thing that, that you need to do with your clients. Absolutely. And I would also also encourage them to revisit the business plan because when you're removing that person from the business, your business plan is going to change because how you wrote it whenever you incepted your business is now changing. So you need to make sure that you um, update your plan as well, because that could also help you with if you want to have venture capitals and et cetera. That's definitely not my area of expertise. So do you want to highlight on that a bit, Patrick? Well, you know, um, this is what I'll tell folks. My rule of thumb with that is uh, if you're going to go out for venture capital or investors or a loan or anything, yes, you need a business plan. And by a business plan, if you go out there and look at the conventional business plan, you know, that's that 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 page document that goes through everything, right? Um, That is impractical and typically just gathers dust for someone who just wants to scale their business or do whatever. What, what I really emphasize for people is to incorporate a one-page business plan. And, you know, there's systems out there like EOS, the Entrepreneur Operating System, that gives you some, some, some ideas. Or, you know, Vern Harnish, uh, Scale Up, those are, you know, one-page strategic plans that that's all somebody needs. If you're looking to scale your company, and anything more than that, it's just getting in the weeds. And I've just, I've just found that with all, every single business owner I've worked with is, yes, if you're going to go get funding, yeah, you need all that. You need to have the competitive market analysis. You need to have your go-to-market strategy. You need to have your marketing strategy, your sales strategy, all of that stuff in there because they're going to want to know that if they're going to loan you you know, $7.2 million to help you scale. And then another question I want to ask before we jump into the call to action, Patrick, is automation because sometimes whenever we are scaling businesses, we introduce a lot of automation automation, but sometimes the automation removes the personalization from the business. And people don't want to just talk to robots because nowadays, whenever you call someone, it's like, press one, press two, press three. And then by the time you go through all the frigging prompts, you're like, oh my gosh, I just want to talk to a live person. So how can we introduce automation, but still personalize it? Well, I think you just nailed it, hit the nail on the head is it's, it's almost, you know, I almost call it automated personalization, right? So, so the, there comes a point where you can use automation and technology to increase the levels of personalization. Um, but at the same time, 
there's so much out there that's BS, right? There's so much technology. It's almost to the point where you lose that personalization. So, so I think finding a good combination of that um, is really powerful and, and you can differentiate yourself just by going out of your way to make sure that you have a combination of the two. I really think a combination of the two is an amazing mixture. Okay, great. Are are there any um, softwares that you would recommend? You know, it really depends on the industry. It really does. I mean, uh, if you're in like where I came from in the property management industry, um, there's a, you know, I'm not going to try to recommend a a software, but, um, you know, there's no like one standalone software that any business could incorporate and it's going to have all of this personalization and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, some of the bigger ones out there might, might be best for sales and marketing. Some of the best ones, you know, like a Salesforce or like a keep.com. Those are really good for touch points with sales and marketing. You can build things in that automate texts and automate emails and, and, and things like that. Even you can, you can voicemail prompt things in, but you, you get with the right company that will design you. If you really want something that automates a personal touch, you need to get with a company like a, a designer and kind of create your own custom software. We did it. It was like 40,000 bucks. Of course, that's, I mean, you got to be a pretty big company to afford that, but what you end up with is a very customized solution. That's a combination of the two. Great, great advice. So definitely find out um, what works for you and your business and get with the designer so they understand what some of your pain points are and the struggle points. And then you could have your end in mind and reverse engineer it in order to build out where you need to go. Yeah. So Patrick, let's jump into our call to action. What do you want the listeners and viewers to walk away with once they hear this segment? whether it's a challenge, whether it's to follow you on your, on social media, connect on your website. Yeah, you bet. And I think the biggest takeaway that I always try to get across to business owners is to, instead of looking at your current product or service as the, your core focus of your product, look at the business itself as the product, your company, right? Your company is your new product. And um, as a call to action, something I offer out there for business owners is if you're thinking about, even if you're not thinking about selling in the near future, what I do is I help business owners create an exitable business. So if you, if you like, you can go to my website on exitable.io and I have a free assessment there. So you can go there and it takes about 12 minutes to fill out and you fill out your information for your company. And uh, I will... I will tell you from that information, your top eight drivers, risk factors, and also tell you what your current value is of your company and what it could be if you were to get all these things in line as far as the, the risk factors and all the multiples. So it's, it's normally, it's like a $500 thing that uh, I put together software and does it for free. That is amazing. I'm over here like, wow. Yeah. Patrick, plug your website once again, and then tell us where you primarily spend spend your time on social media. Yeah, you bet. 99% of my time is going to be on LinkedIn. So um, I think my LinkedIn is Patrick B. Rogers. Um, and um, yeah, my website is exitable.io. That's E-X-I-T-A-B-L-E E-X-I-T-A-B-L-E.io. And, um, you know, I have a podcast as well. We, you know, come on down there and, and check us out and, uh, you know, fill out the assessment. If you're thinking about, you know, scaling your company or selling in the next three to five years, or even you just want to make more money, you know, come on into my world and, and I'll help you out. 
And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast. You just heard Patrick Rogers. He shared some really incredible information. All of his contact info will be in the show notes. So I want to thank each one of you for tuning in on a regular basis. Because of you, we are now ranked in the top 2.5% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per www.listennotes.com. If you're interested in hearing more topics that are going to educate, inspire, motivate, drop me a line and let's converse about it so I can go out and find that subject matter expert or you could recommend someone. So until we chat next time, make sure you like, comment and subscribe and follow us on YouTube for all things video content. So until next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing one. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.